Hi, welcome to the podcast, Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Marna. Hi, Mike. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hi, Mike. Hey, Marna. Hey, Kelly. Welcome to both of you. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives that will help you examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. Since our last podcast, which was titled Etiquette in the Era of Coronavirus, in which we talked about staying home when you're sick, social distancing, and washing your hands, the Coronavirus Disease 2019, or COVID-19, has become a pandemic with 54,000 cases in the U.S. as of noon today, March 26th, and 737 deaths. Our hearts and thoughts go out to those worldwide who are suffering with COVID. Kelly, Mike, and I aren't health professionals, so we won't be dispensing medical advice today. For that, please check your doctor and local public health officials and current reputable websites, such as Center for Disease Control and the World Health Organization. In the United States, employees who can are working from home. There is an eerie emptiness on the streets and parking lots of our towns and cities. Schools and universities have closed. Learning has reverted to online classes and homeschooling. I feel so bad for the high school and college seniors at the culmination of their academic and athletic careers, now unable to see them through as they envisioned. It's a disappointment that must be acknowledged and grieved. What do you do when life throws a curveball like this? The longer you live, the more curveballs you've experienced. You didn't get the job. You didn't get the promotion. The relationship didn't work out. I've had enough disappointments to know that in the fullness of time, I see them as positive developments in my life. Losses can be assimilated and resilience learned. This quote came from a website called Road to College. Quote, the disruption caused by corona will be a formative part of our children's ability to cope with upheaval, disappointment, and change. That's why in today's podcast, we're going to talk about staying positive and connected during challenging times like this. When I was troubled, a wise teacher used to ask me, what's the gift here? So Mike, you sent me an email a few days ago talking about one gift for you, which is the gift of time during self-isolation. Can you talk a little about that? Sure, Marna. Thanks. Yeah, I have been given a gift of time. I think we all have. For those of us who lead pretty simple, quiet lives, you know, my kids are raised, I'm at least temporarily retired, it really is a gift of time. Now, I say that, but I fully realize that for some people, this is excruciatingly difficult. You know, the young families where you have working parents and all of a sudden kids are home all day. We know people like that. And and this is a really, really tough time. So I fully acknowledge that. I also had another one the other day, which kind of caught me off guard about somebody whose life has become much more complicated. And that was a college professor. I kind of thought, well, you know, he'll do his work online and deal with his students that way. And, uh, you know, life would be a little simpler, a little little less demanding. And as it turns out, at least for him, it's just the opposite. It It's so much more demanding because he has to work one-on-one with these students. You know, he's he has seniors who he is advising on thesis topics. And just the logistics of connecting with them online, one after the other, scheduling calls, it takes him from dawn till dusk. So I I fully acknowledge those folks out there who are having this be a very difficult part of your life. But for many of us, it really is a gift of time. So I go at this. This is really the second time in my life I've been given this, this opportunity because 
way back when in 1991 at the end of Desert Shield, Desert Storm, I happened to be in a tent in the middle of nowhere in Iraq with my unit, and we were told to stay in the same place for what turned out to be six weeks. We couldn't move. We couldn't move our vehicles. We couldn't uh, go anywhere. We just had to stay there because the the conflict had not been resolved, and uh, those were our orders. And so we literally, we kept ourselves entertained, but we had six weeks in a very remote place, and it was a gift of time. And I didn't use it well. I didn't do things that I look back on now as having been possible. So this is a second try for me. And so what I'm trying to do this time around is, at least when this is over, be able to look back and say, hey, I maybe am a little better. So I've got some ideas there, but I just, I don't want to talk on forever. What do you guys think so far? Well, I'm curious what you've been doing with your time, Mike. I know you like to work out. I know you like to read. Yeah, well, I sort of, I dump it into uh, into three buckets. And the first one is seeking intellectual self-improvement. So in my case, that's reading and writing. Secondly, I'm trying to build my community. And some of that is folks right around me, right around in my neighborhood. And uh, for others, it's reaching out and phone calls and FaceTimes to people who I, I just otherwise wouldn't get a hold of that at one point were very important to me in my life. And then, as you mentioned, Marna, the third one is physical fitness. I'm trying to work all three of those in a very deliberate and careful way, scheduling myself to do stuff, getting up early, not just letting the moment slip away from me every day, but working really hard to be able to look back on this time and say, yeah, it wasn't fun. It's not what we bargained for. We didn't ask for it, but I tried to make the most of it. Again, this is a second time round for me. So those are wow. some thoughts. That's impressive. I feel pretty inadequate, Mike. Oh, come on, Kelly. I think when this is over, I'm not going to be a little better. I'm going to be a little worse. <laughs> oh, really? Well, <laughs> no, well, I'm, I'm kidding. But Kelly, I mean, to, be, to be fair, you do have a house full. <laughs> I do. I have... I've got, you know, four kids, growing kids, hungry. I'm playing referee. I'm cooking. We have a modest home, trying to keep everybody, you know, giving them a little physical space, trying to get everybody on the same schedule. There's been a lot of angst about too much noise late at night, too much noise early in the morning, waking certain people up, certain people want to be awake. Anyways. So you got to have quiet hours in the house. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's fun. I love having everybody home. I love my kids. I'm not sure if they love me. The dog, the dog (laughs) likes me. I feel good about that. The dog and I are having, our relationship is going to be improved when this is over. Wow, good, good. (laughs) Now you see, this is why I started the way I did, Kelly, because I just, I know there are people out there who this is just so hard for them. Yeah, I mean, it is, but I'm I'm joking about it. It's not terrible. It's it's challenging. It's funny. We had one game night. It was a little rocky, but we got through it. We ultimately had to set a timer because the kids were so sick of it. The minute the timer went off, they all banged their fists on the table and got up and just walked away. My husband and I, <laughs> my husband and I looked at each other. We were like... Okay, I guess we'll clean up. Sounds about right for mandatory family time. Three nights after that, I sent a text. Like, now we have a a family text, a group text. Uh Hey, everybody, how about a game night tonight? My husband answered, I'm in. Just the two of you. (laughs) Nobody else answered or came. (laughs) Okay, I'm chuckling that you're texting each other and you all are all in the same house. Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, why would we talk to each other and look each other in the face and communicate. If I knock on, like, 
normally I just go up the stairs, knock on the door. Hey, I, I, go away. <laughs> That's oh, my 14. really? That's my 14-year-old. Oh, wow. Um, I just wanted to ask, go away. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so, but if I text, I get an immediate response, sometimes with a heart or a smiley face. Oh, so, man. I think you just keep your sense of humor. But I'm jealous because I would love to, you know, have time to do those things. The other thing we did with our time, one constructive thing, it doesn't compare to, to Mike's accomplishments, but the girls work out, you know, they're, they're college athletes. So we took our garage because they can't go anywhere and they're, you know, they have a whole weightlifting regimen and everything. So we took our garage and we like did a very little bit of cleaning out, but moved everything over and we set up a whole kind of workout gym. Cool. Yeah. And one of Aaron's old coaches ran by, he kept social distance with a, um, the big heavy weight mats and they, they, the girls would be laughing at me now the way I'm describing this, but like, you know, the big, really just this big unit and we got it all set up. And so they can, they got a radio and they've got their whole workout thing going out there. So Improvising. Yeah. 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 I think that's going to be one feature of this whole time is people are going to improvise just like that and live stream fitness classes. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my my son's doing that too. That's another one of my things that's on my list that I'm the next time this happens I'm going to be like Mike and I'm going to get it done, but this time it's not happening. Okay, well Mike is on this big self-improvement binge and Kelly and her family have to show a lot of forbearance when they have the gift of time on their hands. Kelly, I kind of hesitate to ask you this, but you're going to talk about the gift of unity? <laughs> <laughs> I am, which is a little hypocritical, but here I go. Yeah, so you had asked me to look at this, Marna, and I, I actually looked up the definition because I thought, I just want to make sure, I mean, we all know what unity is, but it's a funny definition because it says meaning the state of being united or joined as a whole, which I think is really what's happening to us as a society. Not so much in my family, <laughs> but I think this is a gift we've always had. Um, there's so much more that unites us than divides us, right? We all have similar challenges, joys, sadness, accomplishments, and disappointments. And you, you talked about this at the beginning of the show, Marna. And we often forget this. We get so focused on ourselves, right, and our own problems and our own issues. So it really takes something like this that's truly trying to remind us of what unites us and what brings us together. And we just need to stick together and support one another, especially through times like this. But hopefully this reminds us that this is how we should always be. And we should always be kind and supportive towards others. I know I joke about my family, but I, I think ultimately we are that way. And we're doing pretty good. Now, how much longer? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see. Everybody's going to have to go to their own room. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, one thing that's good, like today we have a beautiful day. So we do have an order from the governor it covers our county, you know, to shelter in place. But, you know, you can go out for a quick walk. You can get outside a little bit and just enjoy the beauty. And I think that helps a lot. Well, that leads naturally into uh, what I want to talk about, which is the gift of compassion. In my small town of Williamsburg, Virginia, I've seen and heard so many instances of kind outreach. I belong to a community Facebook page, so I read all the comments and all the requests, and people have been so generous offering to grocery shop for people who can't get out or who are elderly or who shouldn't be out, offering to deliver food to them, offering to pick up food at restaurants for them. The questions are always, what do you need? 
What can I do for you? Let's see if we can make it happen. Several area restaurants have advertised that um, all you have to do is drive by and pick up a to-go lunch, and that's for people who are food insecure, such as families who depend on school breakfasts and school lunches. Now they have a, a place to get some food, and the local bus service is offering fare-free rides to these places to, to get their meals. It's so wonderful. The selfless response that I'm seeing and the caring, it really warms my heart. Yeah, it's those are good. We have a wonderful couple wonderful examples right around us. Uh, I was reading in a, a local bulletin the other night about this contractor who, you know, he's not able to work and he was, he said, all right, I'm going to clean my shop. And he went in and he got to work and he found in his shop, he does a lot of insulation work. He found a case of N95 masks, like a hundred of them. And, wow. Um, yeah. From his work. In his shop, yeah. He's, yeah, because he you know, uses them for his work. Right. And, but he didn't, he didn't realize he had them. And so he dug them out, and then he put out this, uh, this message, and he said to people, I'm organizing now to send all of mine, but I'm doing a community collection for other people who may have them kicking around, and we're getting them to New York City. Because, you know, where I live in New York State, we're about 300 miles from New York City. We don't have many cases around us here. We're we're very remote, very rural area. But obviously, well to our south is the epicenter in our nation. So anyhow, this guy takes it upon himself to become sort of the community collector of N95 masks, and now he's having them shipped to New York City. So that one really inspired all of us. So, Mike, in our conversation last night, we were talking about the gift of connection and how it seems like recently, the last couple of days, I have talked to more family members and more friends than I have in a long time. Just people calling to see how I'm doing or I'm calling people, my parents, my aunts, my relatives, friends to see how they're doing. Let's talk about the gift of connection here. Yeah. So just to set the stage, you know, I live in this neighborhood or we have probably, we're a, we're a at least three miles from the next group of houses, and there's probably 15 houses here. And we all more or less know one another, but not so well. We just don't get out much anymore. I mean, every now and then you see somebody out. But I have seen more and talked to more of my neighbors in the last week than I have in the last three years. That's partly me. That's partly my wife. Kathy is a great baker, and she, every other day she gets fired up and she puts up a double lo a double batch of bread and um, and then she walks loaves around to people and so you know there's no better way to check in on somebody than to show up at the front door with a freshly baked loaf of bread and say hey this is for you how you doing so um, right that's wonderful yeah I just think it's something we've lost in our day and age of connection so-called connection you know we've lost the tight connections we used to have with neighbors I know all of us, or most of us, in this little group of 15 houses trying to tighten the bonds there, and it's, it's a pretty neat feeling. So that's one, building our community right next door. I think, like you, Marna, I've been getting called, and I've been calling people that I haven't heard from in years. I've been focusing on the elderly because I've got several folks I know who are in nursing homes, and right now nursing homes are a tough place to be because most of them have, they've eliminated visits, and the staff has to check in and out and, and sort of decontaminate coming in and out. And for example, in the case of my mother-in-law, they're no longer any communal dining. They're all eating in their rooms. So it's a very, very stressful and very yeah. difficult place to be. And so it's got to be lonely, too. Oh, lonely. And, um, and so I'm, I'm reaching out to 
folks I know around the country who were in that kind of situation. And boy, oh boy, if that doesn't make you feel good to get somebody on the phone who hasn't had a phone call all day and make them laugh. Hopefully it does something for them, but it certainly does something for me. Mike, can I um, give you my mother-in-law's phone number? <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. I'll need a quick sketch, a quick sketch yeah. on her, of her bio so I have something to talk about. Okay. And, and warn her <laughs> that Mike's calling. <laughs> no, I love that idea of calling uh, people yeah. in retirement communities, retirement homes. Yeah. Because I know they are suffering from their isolation. So, Kelly, is this pandemic going to give us the gift of perspective? Is it going to offer us a new paradigm, or a, is it going to bring us down to the essentials, do you think? I don't. I, I wish I did. I'm skeptical. You're skeptical? Yeah, I, I am. I mean, just as you described with 9-11 and so many other instances, we get all fired up and things are going to change. But they generally don't, unless they have to. And this too shall pass, and we'll move on. Hopefully it'll help us keep perspective, focus on the basics and the things that are important, you know, faith, family, fun, laughter, community, country, those kinds of critical things. But I think sometimes we lose sight, we get caught up, right? We get back into the routine and, right. you know, Well, insidiously, it, it all comes back. I was wondering if now that people have a respite from the busyness that our culture is all about, busy, busy, lots of activities, driving kids from place to place, school and activities. Do you think we'll want to go back to that? Or is this more appealing? Or is that just me talking? No, I think it's a great question. I think we'll go back to it, though. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some families that will cut back or question the way they were living. But I think most of us will be like right back into it. Uh, they want, you know, Johnny to have that extra, you know, activity, um, you know, the extra piano lesson and, you know, the tutoring and, you know, keep up with the Joneses and make sure that, you know, all this enrichment occurs. I, I just, I, I don't think it's going to change. I, I wish it would. See, I want to offer a counterpoint to Kelly. You know, you brought up 9-11 and 9-11 was traumatic but at the end of the day, it affected a relatively small place in this country, even though 3,000 people died totally unexpectedly. If you lived anywhere other than metropolitan New York City, you weren't directly impacted by it in all likelihood unless you knew somebody. This is different. Right now, it, it's pretty widely spread in our country if you look at the hotspots, indications are it may begin to fill in the gaps in between, you know, depending on how quickly we move to find antidotes or vaccines or whatever. But this doesn't discriminate. This affects everybody. This, there's no regard to wealth or position or power. It seems to be more deadly for the elderly, but still there's a lot of young people who are being very severely affected by it. So I kind of think that this is going to get inside our national consciousness. I think it's going to help us as a nation to sort of look at things a little differently, maybe reorder some of our priorities, hopefully heal some of the absolutely corrosive divide that we feel currently in our country, because this won't discriminate by political party or by region of the country. I, th I think it's going to end up everywhere. And if there's nothing going on in South Dakota, for example, right now, eventually there will be. I'm, I just want to throw that out there. None of us know how this is going to end, but I think it might change people's perspective on things. Well, I hope you're right, Mike. I'd like to see less divide and more unity going forward. Yeah, I totally agree. Speaking of that, 
I wanted to talk about the gift of gratitude, and my cousin sent me a meme, which is where I get all my deep philosophical thoughts these days. And it says, okay, but honestly, how privileged are so many of us that during a global pandemic, we can just stay warm at home, reading, working, still being educated, creating, talking to our loved ones with little worries and a fridge stocked with food. Do remind yourself to be grateful today. Now, I say that, and I am grateful, fully knowing that there are people who are worried about income, and some people may be food insecure, and we all kind of wonder what's going to happen next. But as my son likes to remind me whenever I complain about something trivial, it's a first world problem, Mom. And I'd like to take a moment. I was thinking about all the people who are just doing yeoman's work during this pandemic, and I have quite a long list of people that I'm grateful for. It starts with the grocery stores and their personnel. I was there yesterday picking up a few things, and they're all all there showing up for work and coming in contact with the public, putting themselves at some risk. I see the UPS trucks and the Postal Service trucks and the FedEx trucks working. So the truckers are working. The restaurants are working, uh, offering curbside pickup service to people. Certainly the nurses, doctors, and medical professionals are working hard with little or no rest, I might add. The teachers who are trying to help their students. Yesterday, the teachers in town did a parade of cars and um, drove around and honked at the uh, houses of all their students just to say hello, a little morale booster. School administrators trying to respond to this crisis. Emergency responders, ambulance and EMTs, firefighters, our government leaders who are working tirelessly, farmers, important part of the uh, supply chain for food, pharmacy personnel, they don't have a break, and all others whose work is deemed essential and continue to show up. Thank you very much. We appreciate all of you. And anybody I forgot to mention, I apologize. I know there are a lot of you out there working hard through all of this, and I appreciate it. Yeah, that was a lovely list. Well said. Lovely. I want to echo what you said, but make it a little more personal. I said I've been calling a lot of people. And so last night I had the chance to talk to a friend of mine who's a nurse practitioner. And she works in Westchester County, which is just north of New York City. And that's the county where New Rochelle is, where the first big outbreak began. And she's an emergency room nurse practitioner. And so she's in the thick of it. I was just so touched by speaking with her and listening to what her day is like, you know, and her concern is not herself. It's taking care of her patients and not bringing it home to her family. You can tell I'm a little emotional about this, but it was just, this is so much of what we we read so much in the newspapers. We see so much on TV. We hear it on the radio, but to talk to somebody who's literally day by day, you know, doubling their their weekly hours and putting themselves at risk every moment of every day they're in the hospital. You just hear the grace that they're doing it with. You hear the selflessness that they're doing it with. And um, it just warms my heart. So that's one person. There are hundreds of thousands out there. So that's my shout out to them. So much grace. Thank you, Mike. We'll be right back with some end notes. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette Endnotes. This is the part of our show where we like to leave you with something to think about for the coming week. My endnote for this week is a poem, which I scraped from the internet, and it's by Laura Kelly Finucci. 
When this is over, may we never again take for granted a handshake with a stranger, full shelves at the store, conversations with neighbors, a crowded theater, Friday night out, the taste of communion, a routine checkup, the school rush each morning, coffee with a friend, the stadium roaring, each deep breath, a boring Tuesday, life itself. When this ends, may we find that we have become more like the people we wanted to be, we were called to be, we hoped to be. And may we stay that way better for each other because of the worst. And that was by Laura Kelly Fanucci's beautiful poems. Yeah, no, that was lovely, Marta. What about you? Do you have something to share? Leave us a comment or a voicemail. You can do both at our website, www.ethicsandetiquette.com. For Kelly Halligan Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marta Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette. Thanks so much for being with us this week. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Be well and stay in touch.